I won't speak about the gospel this morning. Today I'll speak about our first reading from the book of Kings. The Old Testament, the Bible in general, but probably especially the Old Testament, is very, well, I would say probably the gospels are the same thing. There's something that's very characteristic of their style of narrative, and that is that they, they don't uh, give you a window into the psychology of the different figures and the persons that are operating in the narrative. Uh, hardly any ancient literature did, so it's kind of par for the course for just ancient literature in general. Uh, one of the first writings ever really in the history of, of literature that really gets into the inner thoughts and the workings and the psychology of the of the person is actually from a saint, from St. Augustine, his Confessions, uh, written in the 4th century. It's an autobiography. It's one of the, the first autobiography in history, and he gets into all of his feelings, his emotions, his motives. He analyzes, he psychoanalyzes himself and all this kind of stuff internally. Uh, but that's not how the Bible works. The Bible gives you pure actions of the people, like their external actions, and then lets you try to infer what's going on inside. And so it's kind of a neat exercise in, in um, so I, it really requires of the reader a certain level of intelligence and kind of insight into human nature to sort of guess as to what's going on behind the scenes internally. You got this really interesting dynamic be, between Ahab and his wife Jezebel. They're bad, bad characters, very, very bad characters. In the New Testament, the word, the, the name of Jezebel would become synonymous for, uh, you know, this, this, uh, uh, anybody, any woman, really, who operates behind the scenes, you know, and exercises power in an indirect manner, and uh, leads the servants of God astray. So that's what you know. She she takes on that that name takes on that kind of reputation in the New Testament, in particular, the Book of Revelation. And uh, you see here, though, the reason why she's able to kind of operate and be manipulative like this is because of why? Because of Ahab being a wimp, okay, being a pansy, and he's not being uh, an upright, straightforward man of integrity who's supposed to be doing what he's doing as a leader of Israel. He gets waylaid. His main concern is not leading Israel, okay, but his own personal agenda. He wants a particular vineyard. He says, ooh, isn't that nice? I'd like that. That would be really good, and it would really complete the, the property. That So he's totally thinking about his own personal advantage, and he's not thinking about, okay, what's the common good for Israel? Let me focus my life on, on leading the people for their good. But he's, he's totally wrapped up in his own private advantage. And we can infer from that that's, that's pretty much how he leads Israel. So he's going to be a leader for the sake of his own benefit, not for the benefit of the community. All right. And that's basically the definition of a tyrant. Okay. So, but more than that though, there's a deeper character flaw in Naboth that results in the horrendously unjust murder of an innocent man, who was pious, by the way, because he says, I'm not going to sell you my vineyard because, hey, I really, really like it. It's not that at all. He says, you know, it's my family heritage, and I don't want to give that up because it's been passed down from generation to generation. I don't want to be the one that breaks that chain. So he's got a real respect for his ancestors. There's a piety that he has. So there's actually virtue, and he gets killed for it, unfortunately. Um, but what's at the root, though, here of Ahab is I, what I would say self-pity. Okay, Self-pity. It's a real problem, a real, real problem. And I think today, especially in advanced Western civilization, Western societies, we've got so many creature comforts. Self-pity is a real problem, a very, very big problem. Um, we have hardships in life. Everybody does. 
But compared to the vast majority of human history, how people lived and the hardships that they faced, and really even today in many of the developing nations, you know, our hardships are not that hard, okay, relatively speaking. So if you can just kind of put things in context, human beings have gone through a lot worse than what we commonly go through. Uh, I will say, I will say though that in, in uh, our contemporary society, the breakdown of the family brings with it a special amount of hardship for people. And so that, I would say, you know, is kind of a, an exception to the rule where, you know, that, that really is a real hardship. And, but ironically, that's a hardship that not a lot of people even recognize. Okay, it has sort of consequences that are, are at a, a deeper psychological level, um, than at a, at a more obvious level. Um, but so, so self-pity, self-pity. I can find myself falling into self-pity oftentimes when I counsel people and speak with them. I, <laughs> if someone's indulging in self-pity and I'm talking to them, you know, in a counseling session, I usually don't point it out because it, like, that's part of the nature of self-pity. They don't appreciate you pointing that out because then they're going to feel even worse for themselves. So I kind of like, I talk about it from the pulpit and sort of like put it in people's mind to be like, oh, maybe I should be on guard against that. Maybe I should be on guard against that. So it's a, it's a real problem. Here he is, you know, he, he's like this little baby and he kind of turns against the wall and he was doesn't not going to eat and all this stuff. And then you can kind of, it doesn't say it explicitly, but you can almost infer too, after he gets his way, after Jezebel, Jezebel does her manipulative, um, you know, puppeteering from behind the scenes, uh, you can kind of almost see him going down to Naboth's vineyard like a little kid, like, oh, oh boy, I got what I wanted. Oh, isn't this nice? You know, and and so just a, it's just a exhortation today for myself, for all of us. Let's let's be adults. Let's grow up. Let's not have that kind of self pity and be like little kids. Let's think about the common good. What's good for everybody, not just for myself. And keep our eyes on heavenly things. That's the other thing, too. You know, Ahab's whole vision was completely on earthly things. Let's keep our, our, our vision up on heavenly things. St. Paul says in Philippians, you know, I press on forward to the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. And he says in Colossians, to keep your minds on heavenly things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, not on the things of earth, uh, but on the things of heaven. For we have died with Christ and our life is hidden with, 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 in Christ in, at the right hand of the Father. And we've been blessed with so many blessings in, in the heavenly places. You know, we have blessings on earth, but we gotta remember where our true blessings are. So I think if we do that, we'll be able to avoid some of the voices that, that we see Ahab was, uh, demonstrating today in our reading.